Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tech Talk, a podcast where Amit and I talk about various technology-related topics. Today, we're going to talk about CBDC. Well, CBDC, we don't um, all know about the elaboration. It's, uh, it stands for Central Bank Digital Currencies. Um, so we all know about, well, uh, you know, most of us know about cryptocurrencies nowadays. It's, it's become very popular. It's become quite a mainstream topic. And then all the other technology that emerges from cryptocurrencies like NFT and Web3 and some of those topics we're going to cover in future as well. Um, one of the things that um, has come through as a sort of a, uh, no, I don't want to say side effect, but as you know, as cryptocurrency grows in popularity, uh, uh, different governments have also looked into the technology, blockchain technology, uh, and whether many governments likes the idea of cryptocurrency or not, blockchain technology in itself is a very, very solid technology with a lot of potential. And um, CBDC is basically central banks' uh, own cryptocurrency in a, in a, in a way. Uh, so various governments are looking into using blockchain technology to create their own cryptocurrency, which is going to be the national currency. Uh, and they're sort of coming up with this digital currency, which is going to be issued by central bank. And uh, today we're going to talk about that, uh, CBDC in short, and uh, what are the implications, how did it come about, and what effect it could have, have on the, you know, the global cryptocurrency market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Amit, thank you for uh, coming up with this topic. It is, it is interesting nonetheless, and it's, it's uh, something that has, you know, very sort of wide range of effects on the global currency market altogether. Um, so yeah, uh, tell, tell us what do you think of uh, CBDC and um, what's your initial sort of uh, response? Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much, Renat. Uh, I think uh, the CBDC uh, as a topic came to my head because um, I was uh, reading an article a friend of mine posted on LinkedIn. And he recently posted about, okay, what is CBDC, which countries are currently adopting and what are the different types of CBDCs, etc. And then it captured my imagination and I thought, okay, it's a topic worth exploring and worth talking about. It, it has got digital, so there is technology involved. It's not something that uh, is uh, something that we cannot talk about. So we have already spoken about cryptocurrency in one of our top previous talks. Um, so I thought it's uh, quite relevant. And there are a lot of uh, countries that are currently experimenting with it, especially as, as you rightly mentioned, Bitcoin um, and uh, many other currencies that are currently in the uh, cryptocurrency world. So, uh, so banks are now seeing that uh, lots and lots of users or consumers are using uh, mobile phones or or some form of digital payment they are using cash less and less and what does that mean for them as a bank as a central bank etc and uh, that's why they thought okay if people are using less cash can we get a digital cash and what are the implications of digital cash so i think those are the topics we will try to explore in today's podcast um, it, it was quite interesting when I was reading about it myself and I learned quite a bit, but I think we'll start from scratch so that people have a very good understanding and solid foundation about what CBDCs are. Yes, yes, very much so. And um, um, going back to the technology side of things, um, you know, it, is using it will be using the blockchain technology which is uh, you know while a lot of people have mixed uh, responses with cryptocurrency uh, when i say people i mean a lot of authorities have mixed uh, responses with cryptocurrencies but no one would uh, question the the technical you know solidity of uh, blockchain te technology it is it is quite um, powerful in a way that nowadays, you know, in, you know, we, we're kind of past information age in, in last decade, you know, whoever had the most information had the power. Now, I, you know, I would say we're in like big, I mean, I, I don't know how to name it properly, but I think 
whoever can sort through a lot of data very quickly. Now every, everyone has information, everyone has the data, but now whoever can manipulate and you know, create insights from that data very quickly are um, you know, uh, ahead of the game uh, or has all the power. And blockchain technology is, is uh, something really cool in a way that, you know, you have all the data, everything is public or everything is in public ledger. Obviously, when it comes to CBDC, I don't know how much public it will be, but still there is a lot of data which can be easily sort of um, uh, categorized and create insights out of it. Um, so, you know, all the transactions are available. And, you know, you, so for a government to sort of track, you know, people's income, people's uh, sort of um, um, tax uh, responsibilities and everything, that can be very easily tracked and found out, as well as, you know, insights created on how the country is growing, where the GDP is sort of coming at, coming from, and all of these information could give the government a lot of power. Um, from an ethical standpoint, though, I mean, obviously, this movement of cryptocurrencies and how it's sort of, you know, uh, being adopted more and more people. From an ethical standpoint, I am on the verge of how, um, you know, CBDC, you know, comes, you know, wh whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think a lot of people can argue it's, uh, you know, it's positive and negatives. Uh, and we can, we can certainly talk about that a little bit more. But um, from a technical standpoint, uh, blockchain technology is very powerful and it's enabling governments to, to do some good things. Now, if the government in government's intention is good, of course, these, all of these things would, you know, bring about positive changes in our society and uh, we're going to be going towards a, a, a sort of better, more democratized society with, you know, more uh, sort of... Uh, um, Absolutely. City. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think, uh, uh, yes, we do understand that, okay, it's based on these technologies, it has its pros and cons, but uh, why there is a need now and what is it, what has prompted the central banks and what is actually a central bank i mean there are a lot of people in who are listening to this talk and who don't understand uh, a central bank and what is the difference between a retail bank or a commercial bank or whatever so i think people need to understand the difference and they need to understand the basics so i mean let's let's start with uh, why uh, we have money and how we deal with it so in olden times we used to have the barter system where suppose you want to have a cow but you want a cow from another person or a cow's milk from another person the other person is saying okay i can give you the cow's milk but what will you give me in return so in return the person says okay i'll give you two bags of rice or one bag of rice so you get cow's milk for one bag of rice now that is very inconvenient because you cannot actually gauge the value of one good from another so like i want to trade two bananas for three apples now which is more expensive which is more valuable a banana or an apple and that depends on how much bananas you have or how much apples uh, you have and how much is it grown which one is grown more which one is grown less so the barter system was kind of uh, very uh, limiting very limiting yes exactly yeah. that's the word so then people thought okay instead of uh, barter system instead of exchanging goods of different uh, types what if we exchange uh, certain gold coins and then we stamp them so people were uh, uh, using gold coins created by themselves and anyone could create a gold coin and anyone could exchange them and gold has a value and people know that, okay, if I have a gold coin, uh, I can do anything with it. I can exchange it and people find it valuable. So I can buy as many uh, apples and oranges or bananas I want. So that was again, uh, very helpful. But these gold coins could be made by anyone. So the, the rulers, the kings and queens, they thought, okay, how do we control that s supply chain or how do we control that money? So they started stamping the gold coins with their own seal and whoever is using those coins, uh, they are considered legal tender, everything else are considered illegal. So now a, a king or a queen has uh, put authority on these coins 
and no one else can deal uh, no one else can create those coins so the coins are being uh, generated from the tre treasury of the empire and then stamped to prove that okay this is from this kingdom and that coin is from another kingdom so that's how the uh, coins started coming and then people thought okay i have a lot of gold now and uh, i want to go and uh, trade with someone in some other country and uh, or i have a lot of gold in my house but uh, my house is then not safe so where do i store the money so that's where banks came so you went to the bank to deposit the gold and the banks gave you a receipt saying this is how much gold you have with me in the bank then you go to another person and he says i don't have all the gold with me but i have this receipt that proves that how much gold i have and that receipt if you take and then you go to the bank they can give you the gold so the guy says okay fine so the person says okay fine uh, we'll go to the bank and we'll just give me the note and uh, we will get the gold from the bank so now that is a uh, just a receipt an iou i owe you this much money this is the receipt that is the physical uh, gold available so the banks thought okay now this gold is there in my bank but not everyone is asking for the gold so suppose rinath malik deposits 1000 kilo of gold and amit sarkar deposits 2000 kilo of gold now they don't need the gold all the time i don't need it on a daily basis so the gold is lying there idle so the bank thought okay this is idle money idle gold and i can loan it to someone i don't have to loan the entire gold but i loan a part of the gold so part of the deposits that i have so the banks then started giving gold loans and instead of giving gold loans they gave again iou notes so now banks were giving more iou notes than gold that they were holding so it means there was more currency in the market than gold in the bank and that's where the uh, the proportionality uh, differed so you have uh, less gold in the bank but banks are giving more iou notes to people yes that's very interesting uh, way of putting it yeah go on can carry on continue so so these iou notes are now there and uh, the the governments or the countries they decided okay we have to make it a, a tender a currency a fiat currency or whatever a currency right so currency backed by gold okay so that used to be the case before i think almost till uh, 19 60s 1970s i think 1970s is the one is a time when uh, banks moved away from gold backed currencies so now you can have different currencies but they cannot be legal tender and what is the difference the difference is that uh, when you have currency you can buy anything but can you repay debt can you repay the bank with that same currency so that's where legal tender comes and most of the currencies are considered legal tender bitcoin can be a cryptocurrency but it's not legal tender you cannot repay your mortgage with bitcoin but you can repay your mortgage with euros or dollars or british pounds or rupees so now you know the difference so and after after world war what happened there was huge demand of growth and with that demand people needed money now gold has a problem it's a physical thing and it has to be mined can people mine it more quickly than how much people can use and that became a bottleneck so countries thought okay or banks banks thought what is the better way to do it and that's when fiat currency as we know it came into existence now this is a currency created by the bank whenever they issue a loan so the bank doesn't have gold or the money that the bank is generated cannot be reimbursed with the gold meaning earlier you could go to a bank take the note and get some coins gold coins silver coins whatever 
Now you go to the bank, the bank will not give you a gold coin. The reason being earlier what used to happen, so you suppose you have a dollar and you take dollar from US to uh, Europe. So someone from Europe can come to US and they can say, oh, I have this dollar, give me some gold. So they can do that, right? Now with fiat currency that goes. So now you have a currency that is not backed by a gold. It is only created out of thin air, but it has a rule. It can only be created when you issue a loan. So now money is entering the market, but that money is into an account. But you still have the paper money. That paper money is in our pockets, in our uh, wallets. Okay. So who prints the paper money? The banks don't print the paper money. That's where you have this concept of central bank and commercial banks or retail banks. Central banks deal with commercial and retail banks. Commercial and re retail banks or commercial banks, they deal with us. We never deal with a central bank. So in this example, Federal Reserve from US, Bank of England from UK or the Reserve Bank of India from India. And in Bangladesh, I think there is there might be a central bank. I don't know the name. Yeah, it's called Bangladesh Bank, our so, original. Yes. So that's a central bank. So you never open an account as a consumer with Reserve Bank of India or with Bank of England. You open an account with State Bank of India or HSBC or Barclays or Lloyds or any other city bank. You open an account with them you never open an account with a central bank. So that's one of the difference. A normal consumer never works or never banks with a central bank. But central bank decides how much money should be printed, how much money should be circulating in the economy and how much interest rate should I be charging. <clears throat> when they increase the interest rate, it means banks also have to pass on that increased interest rate to the consumers. So consumers will borrow less. That's how they reduce the circulation of money. And when they reduce the interest rate, banks pass it on to the consumers and they give low interest loans and you have more money in the economy. So that's how they control inflation. Inflation is price increase. Now in all this thing, you have cash, a physical money. Now people thought carrying cash in a wallet is inconvenient. So they came up with cards. Now, instead of uh, carrying the um, cash with me physically, I now have a card. It is something similar to the gold, uh, gold IOU notes. So you didn't want to carry all the gold. So you had an IOU note. Now you don't want to carry all the IOU notes. So you have a debit card or a credit card. And what that essentially does is that you now go to a shop and you pay with a debit card. You don't take out your wallet and you don't take out 10,000 rupees or $10,000 and buy uh, a product. You don't uh, pay, uh, you don't uh, buy a car using cash. You buy a car using a debit card or a credit card based on the money that you have in the account. A debit card is based on how much money you have in the account. A credit card is based on how much limit you have on your account. It's a loan, it's a credit, loan. It's a basically a short term loan with a very high interest rate. Now, what's happening is that uh, these debit card and credit cards are being used on machines. So when you go to a store uh, to buy a product, you use you insert the card into a machine, that machine is the point of sale machine or a POS machine, POS machine. So insert a credit card or a debit card, enter the pin and you make the payment. The money is in your account. The shopkeeper has a different account or a different bank. So your money has to go from your bank, your account in your bank to another account in another bank. And all that is done through the debit card. So when you make the payment, in the POS machine, the POS machine captures all the information, your account information, your current balance, etc. It approves. It, it it contacts your bank. The bank confirms you, ha you have this much amount and they say, okay, approve the transaction. The transaction is approved and you get a receipt. But the money behind 
takes a lot of time to move from one bank to another it takes about two to three days and how does that information travel there is a payment network that payment network is visa mastercard uh, american express so these are the payment networks so through that payment information travels so suppose you have a credit debit card it inserts into the pos machine the information travels through the visa network goes to the bank comes back uh, the bank approves through and then the approval comes in the visa network comes to the post machine you get a receipt now the money in your bank has to move from uh, say your you bank with hsbc and it has to move to barclays so the money in uh, hsbc in your account has to move to barclays in the shopkeeper's account and that takes time that takes processing and there are so many things involved and in order for you to now remove the hassle of the debit and credit card now you can pay using a mobile phone so now you have google pay apple pay samsung pay what it does it gets rid of your debit card so first we got rid of all the apples and oranges because we could not trade with that then we got rid of all the gold we could not trade with that we got rid of all the ious we could not trade with that then we got rid of all the cash because we didn't like the convenience we didn't want to carry a wallet then we got rid of all the credit and debit card and now we only carry a mobile phone um interestingly a similar thing happens in in computing as well i mean you know um, there were like machine code as 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 you know the the uh, very basic programming language and then there is um uh, compiler code like c and then there is python and then there is low code uh, automation tools like uipath so the um in in computing i don't know it can be it can be called in any situations we call it layers of abstraction so we keep you know, you know we build layers and layers on, on top of each other which are abstract layers to sort of help our, you know for our convenience but yeah we we need to be aware of how one layer relates to the other to understand everything that's actually going on it's very interesting to really know all the layers and it gives you sort of a a really deep understanding of money in 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 our topic exactly, today exactly exactly because i think you raised a very interesting point layers it's very interesting to see that uh, we are exchanging goods so and that's why you need money money only comes into existence because we exchange goods of different value and the value is decided based on how much is the demand and how much is the supply for a particular item so a banana will always give you the same nutritional amount if it weighs the same no matter where you buy or when you buy it okay a banana is almost of the same value today as it was in say 1800s or even in ancient times a banana is still a banana so what has changed why is banana well, now instead of <laughs> dollars one uh, say 50p now it is 100 dollars it is because <laughs> the value with which the value of the currency with which you are buying the banana has depreciated and why it has depreciated because now you have more money in circulation in the economy and why there is more money in circulation in the economy because banks are issuing more loans so the economy is actually running on loans or credits to people and how the economy grows is when or how banks grow is when you pay the interest and the interest is basically something that you cannot ever pay back the reason being the interest never exists it is only artificial so that's why some people will always remain rich and there has to be some level of poverty now the values and the difference can differ people you can say people are poor even with uh, 1000 uh, dollars because there are more people with 100000 dollars so with respect to them they are poor but they still have money the only reason is someone has to pay the interest back yes absolutely it's it's a very uh, complicated topic uh, to think about but it is very powerful to know and i think this this is these are some of the things that 
are not taught in school. I suppose, well, I mean, I'm not challenging the school system. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that are taught in schools, which enables us to understand these complicated topics later. But I feel like these are some of the topics that should be sort of known to everyone. You know, mass people like everyone doesn't know these whole layers and, you know, all of these um, abstract ideas and, you know, these, these the, you know, the background of money and finance. And these things are very important for for a general public to know about. So they understand what is going on, you know, uh, in on macro level in their country or in, in the whole global society. And it's, it's I feel like, you know, the, what you explained would help you know, tons of people understand um, and, you know, make better financial decisions. Well, I don't know about better financial decisions. <laughs> I'm not talking about investment. I'm just talking about no, no. How, how, money is, uh, how money has come into existence and why we need it. So I think it is important to understand the journey so far till Google Pay and Apple Pay. And then we come to cryptocurrencies and central bank digital currencies. But it's important to understand that uh, money has been created by humans. It doesn't exist before we came. It existed after we came. Before we came, there were apples, there were oranges, maybe there were trees, there were fishes. After we came into existence, we have money, we have religion. Religion never existed before. It's a controversial topic. Money didn't exist before humans came into existence. So it means it's a man-made concept. It means it can change, it can evolve. And it is changing. It is evolving based on the current... Uh, needs and demands and situations so it means it can it can be used to our benefit also to our uh, to to harm us anyways so <clears throat> money was created for our convenience because we have goods of different values and we needed to find a better system to exchange these goods and pay for certain services so services could be okay lift a bag for me now how do you quantify lifting a bag from place A to place B. So you quantify say the weight of the bag, the person who's lifting the bag or the distance in which the bag has to be carried, etc. The weight of the bag and the weight of the content inside the bag, etc. The time of the day, so suppose you lift in the night, suppose you lift in the day. So there are different aspects to which you define a value to a certain service. It is not a good, it is a service. How do you quantify teaching to students? Teach. How do you quantify that? So with that, the concept of money came and it became a very powerful tool. I'm not talking about investment. I'm just talking about the concept. Why there is money. So now you have Google Pay and Apple Pay. Now, so you got rid of your debit cards. So instead of carrying three or four different debit cards, you just carry a mobile phone. And all your debit cards and all your credit cards are inside the app. And you go to the POS machine and you use contactless and you pay, you, you tap your phone, the uh, money gets uh, deducted from your account and goes into the shopkeeper's account. Now, where is CBDC or cryptocurrency coming into the picture? So, cryptocurrency is like a protest. Now, who controls the money? The central bank, the commercial banks or the retail banks, they control the money. So it means you have the, you have to have an account with them and they will monitor all the transactions. They will make sure there is no fraud transactions. They'll make sure that whatever money you have in your account is what is there in their balance sheet. They ensure that you cannot by hook or crook add more money into your account or by hook or crook your money accidentally goes into someone else's account. So basically, banks are managing the balance sheet or the ledger. People say khata in um, Indian, uh, in Hindi, or maybe even in Bengali. So it's a ledger. And the ledger holds the transactions. Person A pays to person B this much amount on this day and time. So now person A has this much balance, person B has this much balance. That's a ledger. It's a record of transactions for that particular day between two people for whatever amount. That ledger is maintained by the bank. Now, cryptocurrency came and said, 
okay i will issue you a token now what is the difference between a token and a currency so currency is something that you use to to buy goods a token is something that uh, you can be familiar with when you go to a casino so in a casino you go to the reception or you go to a, a, a place where you give your money and in exchange for that money say hundred dollars you get some tokens which are worth hundred dollars and you then go and play at the table or machine so you use those tokens to play and gamble and when you make more tokens or less tokens you go back and then you exchange those tokens for the value of money so suppose you started with hundred dollars of token and you lost money and now you have fifty dollar fifty dollars worth of tokens you go back and you get fifty dollars you don't get hundred dollars back you get fifty dollars same is a bitcoin bitcoin is a token a token has a certain value the value is based on demand and supply currently a bitcoin is trading at say i don't know 30 40000 dollars uh, can you can you check no no uh, it's 45000 pounds right now which is which is okay. you know much. okay so <laughs> one token which you use for gambling is now worth 45000 pounds so now if you go to that uh, place where you actually went and if you get it exchanged you will get 45000 pounds but who keeps track of the accounts so, and what can you buy with it so that's where blockchain comes blockchain is a ledger that is not maintained by a bank it is maintained by anyone it can be maintained by you it globally by the by public globally by the public it's a public ledger it's not a private ledger i cannot see the ledger of hsbc it's not allowed it's a private bank even if it is a public bank say sbi state bank of india it's a very popular uh, public bank in india i cannot simply go and say okay show me all the all the transactions that you have done for this particular day or for the last 10 years i can't with a blockchain you can actually see the transaction but it is anonymized it means the identity of me and renath if we exchange uh, bitcoins are anonymized so you cannot tell who the person is from the uh, blockchain but what you can figure out is the id of the wallet so from this wallet this much amount of bitcoin went to that wallet and then you can keep tracking that wallet you can have multiple wallets so if you track multiple wallets you can actually figure out which wallet has what account what bitcoin and which wallet has uh, what uh, uh, money and if you know the wallet id of say renath you go to the blockchain you search for the wallet and you can see all the transactions from renath public ledger all the transactions are public hold held in blockchain to know about blockchain to know about cryptocurrency please listen to our talk uh, on cryptocurrency i think that is a very useful talk as well so i'll not get into more details here i think we should do another talk on on blockchain and cryptocurrency yeah. i mean, I, yeah, I mean there is can, so much explore, to cover yeah yes we can explore yeah. more so now you have this uh, cryptocurrency and you have blockchain so blockchain is the ledger cryptocurrency is bitcoin and a ledger can hold transactions of anything not just currencies but data goods any 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 kind of transaction any kind of ledger that any kind of accounting that you need to need that you want to keep you can now keep in that store in that ledger and that's where nft comes into play as well but we're going to cover that another time <laughs> maybe we'll cover that in another topic uh, sorry another talk but yes so now you can store any form of transaction or data in that blockchain and that blockchain is decentralized it is not centralized it is not owned by few banks so that's centralized it is owned by everyone so it's decentralized problem of decentralization is someone has to maintain the infrastructure who will maintain the ledgers how do we make sure that the ledgers are right how do we make sure everything is working correctly so we try to replace the banks and we created a new system and eventually that will also become centralized because someone will have to maintain the system
and that's what banks do they maintain the banking system the movement of money from one account to another account over one from one country to another country has to be maintained so the movement of uh, uh, money uh, from one uh, account to another account from one bank to another bank from one country to another country has to be maintained that is part of the banking system the system which maintains the movement of money the system which gives people money through atms through uh, withdrawals from cash machines through withdrawals from banks so you get access to money and with that money you can buy goods you can buy services so that's very powerful now what is cbdc so you have cryptocurrency it is decentralized it is not backed by governments you cannot use it to repay your loan you can still buy maybe a glass of water a pizza you can buy some goods you can pay some money uh, you can pay something for services but you ca still cannot settle debts with bitcoins you will have to convert them into a legal tender which is recognized by the banking system or the central bank then you can repay it so now where does cbdc come into picture and why does it come so banks thought okay cryptocurrency is coming anyone can create a token i can create a token sarkar token malik token and i can issue 100000 tokens and these tokens are there in the market that's what different cryptocurrencies are they are based on different algorithms different uh, kind of concepts and you have doge coin you have so many all so many different types of coins then nothing but tokens like you get in casinos and you can use that to gamble away your entire money or you can use that to uh, earn a lot of money so it's up to you so that's why banks don't encourage people to invest a lot of money in cryptocurrencies because it's still a risk so of course people still do it because there is a future and that's why i think it's important to know about all these things and the technology behind it so that you can be more informed about the risks involved in all these old coins or cryptocurrencies Yes, yes, just just um just wanted to sort of um inject a little bit of um information there. I mean, obviously you mentioned gambling and you mentioned cryptocurrency, but just for the avid user or avid listener, um cryptocurrency is not necessary not gambling at all. Not you know, it it's it's a completely different thing. We're just using gambling as a um as an idea when we're talking about tokens, but cryptocurrency and yes. gambling are completely two different things. True. And yeah. uh, I mean I'm just using the concept of what a cryptocurrency is because we call it a currency but actually we cannot uh, get a loan banks don't give loans in bitcoins banks don't accept repayment of loans in bitcoins that's why we are not still calling it a currency uh, that's why it's still crypto altcoin etc it's a bitcoin that's what but it's essentially a token and what people are now doing is and it's like video game so we talked about tokens in casinos but you have tokens in video games as well these days where you can buy uh, say suppose you want to play a game say you have scrabble or something or a word game and you can now buy tokens and suppose you lose a stage with those tokens you can uh, proceed to the next stage So yes yes you can, that's that's actually a really good example i mean you know yeah in game purchases like you know you can even in like uh, more of a like a, a role playing like a you know with with a virtual world kind of games you can purchase various armor or items in in the game with uh, credits or tokens you know the credits you know you have to purchase the credits with real money but then you can use those credits in that virtual world to buy anything sell anything and you can you know sort of accumulate a lot of tokens as well i mean this is this is a bit off topic but i i heard a person actually mortgage you know sold their own real home and uh, bought a virtual home inside a game and then somehow that made more money so that was more profitable so um Yeah, I that mean is, uh, that is the future because um, I mean if you look at Facebook, they are in investing something called metaverse, a unique yes. a world inside internet, a, a digital world where you will have digital assets. Oh, that is 
That is such an exciting topic as well. I'm I'm really keen to talk about metaverses as well. I mean, yeah, I found out like a month ago, and I'm I've I've been researching as well. It's it's such a cool concept. It is a cool concept, and, and Facebook uh, are now rebranding because they are now focusing yes. on metaverse. Their whole uh, uh, investment in Oculus and VR and AR is driven by their whole vision of what metaverse is and how do you play a role in that universe. Yes, yes. Uh, we should we should definitely talk about metaverses one day. We'll, we'll, but yeah, let's let's talk about metaverse yeah. some other day. But let's go back to CBDC. So yes. so now you have these uh, central banks, and uh, you have cryptocurrencies. And cryptocurrencies are not legal. I mean, you cannot repay things. You cannot settle debts. Now I'm I'm saying it again and again. You cannot settle debts, and I think that's important. So now central banks think, okay, what if we create our own digital currency? Now what? Now you will you will stop me and say, Amit, but we already have digital currency. It's in our mobile app. But uh, the mobile app, the money that you have is not digital. It is backed by the cash inside the account in a physical bank, and that cash has to move from one bank to another. So it's still not digital currency. What does digital currency mean? A digital currency means it's just like a cash. A cash stays in a wallet. It doesn't stay in an account. It stays in a wallet. So you withdraw the cash from an ATM and it sits in your wallet. And when you pay someone with the cash, then you take the money out from your wallet and you give someone the cash. There is no third person involved. There is no intermediary involved. There is no POS machine. There is no payment network. There is no bank. It is completely anonymous. No one needs to know the identity of the person who's paying, who's taking the money. Completely anonymous, completely offline. Now, imagine the same transaction in a digital world. I pay Rinath $10, but now there is no visa involved. There is no HSBC involved. So, I have a digital wallet. From my digital wallet, I transfer money to Rinath's digital wallet directly that is cbdc central bank digital currency it means you're getting rid of the network you're getting rid of the commercial banks now banks will still have to play a role but we have to see how much they will be involved but essentially this is what it is central banks are now issuing currencies which are equivalent to the physical currency say a one dollar in cash is the same in value as $1 in digital money. And that can be uh, instantaneously sent from one account to another account or one wallet to another wallet. Now, what does this mean? This means that tomorrow in the future, if there are people who don't have bank accounts, they can still receive money from the government. What happens today? So there is a poor person. They don't have a bank account and the government wants to give aid. But the problem is aid means money and the money cannot be sent by post. So they will send a check. Problem is a check has to be deposited in a bank. And if you want to encash that check from a bank, you need to have a bank account. So what do you do? That's actually that's actually a massive pro for uh, CBDC because there are a lot of you know aids from governments which doesn't you know due to, you know in in a lot of uh, third world countries due to corruption it doesn't reach the actual target people who actually really needs the money government aid and foreign aid you know like um, you know aid coming from uh, UN and other places you know the money doesn't reach the target person that they they are sent to and, and even if it does not all of it does because you know due to corruption and other reasons you know part of it is kind of disappears into the infrastructure and not just that uh, digital currency would also eliminate the middlemen like the you know the payment processors and the banks which would also help overall the society because you know the one transaction doesn't need to sort of uh, think about paying um you know all of these uh, middlemen to to sort of happen successfully so yeah these are actually quite quite you know quite significant pros uh for cbdc i hadn't actually thought about it before but yeah no now that you explained 
there are there are very you know very powerful pros on 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 the in, yes. in this case yeah so i was initially thinking all the negatives but no yeah <laughs> so there are there are a lot of poor people in the world who don't have bank accounts i mean there might be people in the middle class well who may not have bank accounts because they just don't want to open a bank account so how yeah. do you, how do you reach people how do you distribute money to people without a bank account so that's where you have the digital wallets the digital currency that they don't need to have a bank account so just like cash so you go and you get cash for work that you do similarly mm-hmm. now you can get digital cash or digital coin or digital currency whatever you want to call it and it is backed by the central government uh, sorry central bank so it means mm-hmm. that uh, it is legal so now you can repay the debt from the digital wallet on your phone that is a very yes. powerful concept because everyone now has a phone even the people who are the poorest are now having mobile phones yes just just wanted to clarify one thing else <laughs> i mean that you know you were mentioning that um you know the, because the cryptocurrency is not legal i mean you mean legal tender which you know a legal cash tender yes yeah 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 i mean <laughs> saying it's not legal <laughs> means it might be legal but no that's okay. not the situation yes. it's uh, it's not a legal tender the c- uh, cryptocurrency but it's very much legal in in various countries where it is so 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 yeah th- there is there is <laughs> i mean india has like completely uh, made uh, trading in cryptocurrency storing uh, buying cryptocurrency is illegal so there are a few countries in the world where you cannot including bangladesh buy, as well including bangladesh where you cannot buy or sell cryptocurrencies okay so you have to be careful that's why i mean you have to understand the legal implications of things that you're doing and i think we our aim is to educate not to uh, dissociate i mean not to tell people okay stay away from cryptocurrency but understand why it is existing okay yes yes and of course you know we don't in- encourage in any way to do anything that is outside the law in your country absolutely not uh, yes. but yeah in many countries like us and uk and other european countries it is a legal um item to to trade with um but it's not a legal tender which means that it doesn't have the same uh validity to the central bank as yes. a cash note does as a cash note does. yes yeah has is a legal tender which is which means it's issued by the central bank as a, 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 as in that they are bound to give you that same amount of value if you give them that cash note exactly so that's the legal agreement between you and the central bank that yeah because you have this note you are you know uh, you have the right to get that much value from the bank so that's the legal contract between you and the bank and that's that's what the legal tender means cryptocurrency is not a legal tender in that sense but um, yeah depending on wh- wh- which country you're living in it, it is very much legal in many places and not legal in some yes and uh, i think a lot of people are now accepting online payments using bitcoins uh i think the paypal paypal is uh, issuing there are few digital banks accounts in uk where you are encouraged to st- buy cryptocurrencies you can actually trade them you can buy them from an app so it's it's quite convenient so it's not like it is illegal everywhere it is legal in a lot of places and a lot of companies are now investing a lot of resources into making this a reality of how do you use bitcoins to buy different types of assets financial assets physical assets any type of assets so anyway let's yes, come back sir. to cbdc so you have yes. the digital currency and now you can give money to the unbanked uh, so it's a, it's a huge benefit but it comes with a side effect so it yeah. means now that digital currency can be uh, used to track you so central banks will know from which account to which account the money went so they can easily see how the money is moving so it it helps in a way you can prevent money laundering you can get taxes you can see all the transactions but your privacy is invaded with the cash your privacy is never invaded because no one is seeing where you have used that cash so your 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 transactions are still very private if i go tomorrow and buy some medicines the the central bank doesn't know what medicines was bought or who bought those medicines they just know uh that this person has received this much cash over a period of one month or two months or whatever 
so that is important so one is privacy the other is that uh, because it's digital it means it can be hacked so now you have a digital infrastructure maintaining so you have the banking system now you have a digital infrastructure to maintain all these transactions and these transactions or this digital infrastructure can be hacked by people who don't like these systems and uh, that means your money will be at risk so that's another disadvantage so you you have lost your privacy and your money can be stolen from hackers what else i mean there are many other um, things that we have to think about before we have a cbdc in place that's why a lot of uh, countries are now thinking about it but they have still not implemented it because there are all these other factors that they have to think about the other biggest factor that they have to think about is the role of banks so if central banks can give issue currencies directly to the consumers why do we then need banks so the role of banks yes. gets eliminated but then central banks will have to maintain all the wallets central bank will have to track all the transactions so it is now a centralized system so banks are centralized systems cbdc managed by the central banks are also now a part of a centralized system or the banks can put it out on a ledger a ledger that is public but it is de- sorry ledger may not be public it it can be decentralized but uh, it's not centralized in the way that uh, central banks are taking care of it the network is taking care of it so those are like the pros and cons of uh, cbdcs and you have different types of cbdcs as well just like you have different types of banks the reason is and i'm not talking about cash i'm talking about banks the reason being you never deal with central banks currently you only deal with a commercial or a retail bank commercial or retail banks deal with central banks what does that mean so you need to have a separate currency with which you deal with in in the future with uh, a consumers dealing with say governments uh, central bank and commercial banks or retail banks dealing with central bank so you might have two different types of digital currencies so they are called wholesale cbdcs and retail cbdcs retail cbdcs are for people like us regular consumers and wholesale cbdcs are people for financial institutions like banks um, and uh, very big uh, financial institutions and they deal directly with the central bank but we don't know if banks can exist in a world where you have cbdcs so that's why there is a lot of research going on at the moment and it is a very interesting topic but the good thing about cbdc is that it will not diminish in value bitcoin fluctuates in value today it's 45000 pounds yesterday it might uh, yes tomorrow it might be 20000 pounds so it's fluctuates in value a cbdc of 1 uh, pound will always remain cbdc of 1 pound the value will always remain the same the value will not appreciate or depreciate so uh, i mean this is cbd i mean it will yeah yeah just i mean it will appreciate depreciate based on inflation and the based same way yes the same way any any like national currency you know appreciates or depreciates in value but it's not going to be fluctuating based on the you know supply and demand of like for yes. example other yes. cryptocurrencies yes. but yeah it will move move its it value will, but it will basically track the national currency whatever yes. the national currency value is it will always track true. that true so yeah so that that the vulnerability of you know massive fluctuation you know I'm, 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 in the beginning of this year obviously you know tesla was looking at adopting bitcoin and then you know uber was talking about paying with uh, with cryptocurrency but yes. then the the problem came in when because of the very high fluctuation it, you could be taking an uber at the point of you getting on the car you could be you know deciding that I'll you know the charging this is this much but then by the time you reach the price has fluctuated so much that you know um that it doesn't make sense the yes. the the journey yes. you made but that's not going to be happening with cbdc's CBDC, because it's yes. going to be tracking the national currency so that's that's the sort of the kind of uh, 
I don't want to call it benefit because it's it's the same as the national currency we have now in every country. But uh, that's how that risk is eliminated. So that 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 sort of um, that negative uh, side of using cryptocurrency as a regular um, you know, day to day currency. Um, that's the problem we have at the moment, although it's set to correct uh, at some point in future. But right now, the national currencies, the way they are kind of stable, uh, the CBDC coins would be uh, stable or tracking the national currency in that way. So we're not going to have that problem. True, very true. Thanks, thanks for adding that, uh, Renat. Yes, <laughs> I think that's uh, very valuable. So, yes, so, so I mean, uh, we have to think about these fluctuations as well whenever we are talking about these currencies and cbdc's have this huge advantage the volatility is very less so it's it's uh, it's quite beneficial for day to day transactions and that is why i think a lot of central banks are now thinking about cbdc's and um, and how how we can bring them into the economy the other problem with any digital asset is uh, how to prevent duplications because with a simple control C and control V or some change of code, you can easily create that particular asset. In this case, a digital currency. So how do you prevent that? So banks have to also think and cryptocurrency has already thought of preventing that duplication through blockchain technology. How yes, yes. I mean, uh, CBDC would also have to have blockchain technology at its backbone. So I, I never thought that that was ever an issue because, you know, if someone could just copy and paste, then yes. then it doesn't work as a currency. But yeah, yeah. And I think uh, it's important to, for people to understand that in a digital world, this is why everything is so important over why these technologies exist. It's preventing us from doing control C, control V. <laughs> and it's preventing us yeah. from becoming millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> well, if everyone's a millionaire, then no one is. Yes, so. true. true. Um, yeah, so no, this, this is actually very informative, Amit. Thank you very much. I mean, I was I kind of started the talk with, with a bit of a negative bias towards CBDC because in a macro level, in a global level, I kind of thought that ethically this is not going to serve the purpose of the movement towards cryptocurrency. But then, you know, you kind of opened my eyes towards all the benefits for people who really need it. I mean... You know, there. I mean, I donate money to various charities every month, but at the same time, I also know that half of what I am donating is kind of not reaching the target person that I want them to reach. And you know, there, you know, uh, like richer countries like US, UK, and European countries donate a lot of money to uh, third world countries, and the amount of money that is donated, if they reached the right people and it made the right impact, you know, it would it would make a big difference. But a lot of it doesn't reach, uh, you know, doesn't reach that far, and. Um, even if it does, not all of it does. You know, a lot of it kind of gets consumed by corruption and the higher authorities in each of these countries. And that is a massive, massive, you know, pro uh, for CBDC to be able to enable, you know, everyone. And also, um, you know, paying tax is a good thing because, you know, if the government, I mean, you know, we if we go into the argument with the assumption that all governments are looking to do good for all of the people, then, yeah, with the tax money, people not being able to evade tax and also, you know, having track of all the money that's going in and getting insights for the government. These are all, all very positive things if used appropriately. Exactly. And um, CBDC and, does enable that. So, and, yeah. Uh, there is another thing, uh, Renat, I mean, while you were talking about this benefit, I think there's another benefit is uh, cross-border payments. So currently cross-border mm -hmm. payments are a huge industry. The reason being a lot of people like us, we are first, we are first generation immigrants in a developed nation we come from a developing nation to a developed nation and a uh, lot of us we send money regularly back to our homes so i i send some money you send me you you might be sending some money back to your home country mm -hmm. and that's a cross border payment so you send say pounds and it gets converted into rupees uh, and but that payment takes time and that payment is expensive 
yes so with the cbdc you can eliminate all these systems and you can maybe the central banks can deal with themselves and the transactions can be much faster and much cheaper and yes, and yes. and with cbdcs you don't have to wait for the banks to start giving out loans you can inc you can instantaneously with with the central banks uh, and cbdcs you can inject money very quickly into the economy so you don't have to wait to issue loans and to get it approval everything central banks can decide when to inject money so the creation of money can be faster the mm -hmm. the payments can be done faster cross border payments can be done faster you don't have the intermediary systems and you can reach all the people who don't have bank accounts yes yes absolutely so yeah i mean these are all benefits but in in the interest of keeping um, our talk a little bit unbiased let's let me talk a little bit about what i think that the risks are as well because yeah any new technology comes with you know its inherent risks and one of the things that you know at the first to look at is the privacy as you briefly mentioned as yes. well i mean yes. you know you, you can't do any private transactions through it your government is keeping an eye over it all, you know over it all the time so you can't do anything that the government doesn't want you to spend money on and you know initially you might think oh what could there be i mean you know government you know it's only the illegal ones like you know drug related transactions and other things but no there are other things that government has vested interest for you not to know about like for example freedom of information you know the um, you know most of the countries in this world are democratic countries and they have opposition parties you know who wants to do their you know uh, promotions and uh, you know usually in a democracy you know two part you know a number of parties keep each other honest in a way because yes. you know they all you know call out if someone else is you know doing something mischievous and uh government with that kind of power can sort of um restrict your the information you could get or restrict the activities that would get the government into trouble so that's one thing and then globally the reason one of the reason cryptocurrencies becoming so and so so much popular is because um, it's decentralized. It, there is no one in in, yes. in globally who has control over it. But CBDC is fully controlled by the government itself. And you know, wh while blockchain, you know, while cryptocurrency is enabling you to move away from anyone's control, CBDC is still being, while digital, still being controlled by the government. So if the government makes any mistakes in monetary policy. Um, for example, I mean, I don't want to call it a mistake because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> um, you know, important enough to make that call or knowledgeable enough to do that. But, you know, US uh, during this pandemic printed a lot of money um, without any backing. And it's a very significant uh, amount. And, uh, you know, as a result, the value of dollar because there is a lot more supply, the value of dollar decreased. But you know, U.S. government within U.S. would try to control the inflation and they would have various policies. But U.S. dollar is also a globally, you know, it's a reserve, uh, currency. It's a reserve currency. And many, many countries like smaller countries like El Salvador um, have that, you know, have dollar as a reserve currency. And then their value of the dollar that they hold suddenly decreased by 20 to 30 percent with, you know, if. Uh, a massive global inflation occurs. And then even though they didn't do anything wrong, their overall backed currency is, is reduced in value. And that's one of the reasons why, why, why I heard is that El Salvador has um, sort of uh, declared Bitcoin as their national currency, which was, you know, um, I, I, yeah, I didn't know you, uh, I whether you knew that. <laughs> the national currency of El Salvador right now is Bitcoin. Um, okay. And they kind of completely... Because otherwise, these kind of small countries will collapse completely. You know, they can't take on twenty percent inflation of U.S. dollar. So, there are various uh, positives that cryptocurrency brings, which CBDC won't. But then again, you know, CBDC is kind of having the national currency anyway, like U.S. dollar or British pound or whatever. So it's not really creating anything new. It's um, you know just converting the national currency and having another form to to it's, transact it's, i think it's it's a it's a way to like uh, how how do you manage a digital currency i think it's all all about that it's just trying to manage that uh, 
so that's why the uh, the central banks are now thinking if it is that important and if all the transactions are now moved to digital payments because uh, uh, see when we use a google app to make a payment or say samsung pay or google pay or apple pay to make a payment it's a digital payment for us it's a digital payment the, mm-hmm. the transaction is happening from our mobile phone over the internet through some bank through the banking system so there mm-hmm. is few and few cash transactions so if there is few and few cash transactions there is no incentive for the government to print more cash mm-hmm. they can just yes. bring out a digital currency which they can print more because if people are paying more by uh digital means they should have a digital currency for that if they are not using cash what is the incentive to print more cash yes yes absolutely so yeah m- uh, many sides to it but it's it's certainly a very insightful you know conversation thank you amit for giving me all the information i didn't know a lot about it and i didn't actually think of any benefit to be honest when i started this conversation but i'm actually happy to you know anything has pros and cons and my view was biased now it's uh, you know uh, somehow a bit, balanced a bit <laughs> unbiased but yes so i think um, uh, to be fair you also added some value to the conversation and it is important to have that uh, critical understanding of what the different terminologies and technologies are um and uh, i want to say and urge to our listeners and viewers to do their own research whatever we are talking is based on our own experience so it's a very limited experience uh it is not the experience of the whole world it is something that we have experienced something that we have read and something that we are trying to share so it is our own limited view of a certain technology whenever we try to share anything so please do your research and try to understand the technology by yourself what we are trying to do is just give you a push in that direction yes. if you are interested and, and educate you guys obviously you know uh, none of it is financial advice and yes. we don't in any way encourage you to do anything outside of the legal bounds in whichever country you are based at but um, yeah we we just want to educate and talk about technology we are we are not qualified financial people so please don't take our advice very seriously but uh, i think it is important to understand the concepts we are not asking you to invest we are trying to ask you to understand what you are investing where you are investing do you actually understand the system in which you are investing all the money i think when you are educated you can make informed choices for yourself for your families and that is what the aim of these tech talks are Absolutely absolutely thank you very much Amit uh, this was this was a quite informative and insightful talk as always um uh, i urge again to the listeners and the viewers to uh, reach out to us if you have any topic in mind that you would like us to cover and as always keep listening to our podcast and hope to see you guys next week thank you so much everyone bye bye